Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. So when Karen talks about don't defend, don't apologize, don't engage, it's really to keep that safe space you create for yourself within yourself to avoid the attacks and the aggressions because they're they're not going to stop and that's when it's so important to realize that this relationship it's not going to get better you you need to find a way to extract yourself from it so you can get better Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. Uh, I am here with Lisa Brick today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's really nice to be back. You know, we want to just take a moment to thank you, um, everyone who's been listening, who's been commenting, who's been subscribing and and leaving reviews. Um, We are so excited to be able to support you on a regular basis. And so we thank you and want you to know how grateful we are for your um, for your presence on Journey Beyond Divorce. Today, we're talking about a topic that's come up so often with my high conflict clients, and it's how to change the high conflict, deflect, defend, and apologize dynamic that you're often caught in. Um, This was something that was regularly um, part of my conversations with my uh, ex when he was assumed to be ex. It's something that many of my clients deal with. And the thing that I hear more and more is... I don't know what to do if I don't defend or apologize. And so today we're going to look at what is deflection in conversation? How does that um, unfold in a healthy way in reasonably healthy relationships? And then what's so different about high conflict relationships? And what can you do when you get caught in that deflect and defend dance? Well, Kara. There are really two very, 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 very different kinds of dynamics, as you mentioned. Deflection comes ultimately from a a protection of ego. 
It's uh, you say to me, Lisa, you were supposed to be on this call at four. It is four ten. You just got here. Uh, deflection might be Karen. You're often late when you start a call. So why be there on time? Like if you were on time, I'd be on time. That that's one example of deflection. Uh, what wouldn't be a deflection is I am so sorry. You're right. I kept you waiting. I will double check how I warn myself. I will clear my calendar and I will be there on time in the future. That is not deflection. That's me being able to take full responsibility. So that's me as a relatively healthy ego. If you're in a relationship with someone exhibiting the characteristics of a high conflict personality, they do not have a healthy ego. They have an ego that is bound by walls that they can't let anything crack because mm-hmm. if it cracks, they fall apart and they can't fall apart. So when you say to somebody with a high conflict, exhibiting a high conflict personality, you did such and such, they are going to deflect whatever you've said and they are going to turn it around. They're either going to shift blame on you, like I did my example with Karen. They're going to make an excuse. You know how busy I am at work. Don't you care about our livelihood? I'm the one who makes this whole family work. And then all of a sudden you're feeling small. And as Karen said, you want to defend yourself or apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to disturb you. Or I really do admire you and you've done wonders for my family. And you run into that dynamic. Or they can go on a personal attack, sort of like what I did with Karen in the initial example. Well, you, you know, you always do this or that. Well, that's another reason. Um, The other thing about people who exhibit high conflict personalities is one way of deflecting is they will play the victim. You know, no matter what I do around here, you are never happy about it. You're always complaining. I I just don't know why I do everything I do. I'm not appreciated. And you're just a nag. That's what you do. You nag me all the time. Well, again, it's their ego can't let in the fact that you just said, hey, you're 15 minutes late. What's up with that? I've been waiting. And it seems like it's such a simple conversation. But any of you in a high conflict divorce situation, you know that the simplest conversations can turn into all and all, all and all out war. And you're wondering, how the heck did I get here? And meanwhile, you're blathering, you're doubting yourself. Um, Another example of deflection is if Karen had turned to me and said, or if I had said to Karen, oh, no, oh, no, the time I got on the call, that's the time I have in my calendar. You must have had it wrong. And that's gaslighting. That's a form of deflection. And then you're wondering, oh, oh, did I get it wrong? And you're, oh, gosh, I've been getting a lot of things wrong lately, most likely because you've heard that a lot. And then you begin to doubt yourself. And those of you involved in these high conflict relationships, you can have doubted yourself for so many years 
that your confidence is below the gutter and you just feel like you are worthless and completely incompetent and your high conflict spouse has has basically done exactly what they need to do which is to keep you apologizing to keep you feeling insecure to keep you down so they can feel okay you know and and I love the way you describe that uh and for the and for the spouse of the high conflict personality it is first of all it's just really confusing because you might come to the table with just a need you know i really um i just want to talk about this i i really need to um spend a little bit more time with you or have some more time for the kids or whatever it is and and no matter how small or big it is if that deflection has just become uh, a rooted in part of the conversation dynamic, then it's confusing because you put the concern or request on the table. And within moments, that's not the conversation you're having anymore. And, and, and I know for me, it used to really throw me and I've seen it for a decade now where it's, it gets really confusing. It's like, well, wait a second, we were talking about my need and all of a sudden, um, fawning over you and how hard you work, or I'm apologizing because yeah, I am sometimes scattered or I'm defending myself because you said, well, that's your concern. Well, my concern is this and it's bigger and you're worse for these reasons. And you're like, no, no, wait a second. That's not true. And, and your conversation is completely side-railed and, and you may not even notice it because then you walk away, you're in your amygdala, you're triggered, you're upset, you go to your corners and then it's like, oh, wait a second. My concern was never addressed. I like nothing got, nothing got moved forward and the topic completely changed. And so it becomes very confusing. And what I find interesting is, um, you get so used to defending and apologizing. What I've noticed is my clients, when I say don't do either of those things, what would you say differently? They've got nothing. It's like, I have no idea. I have no idea how to respond to this person who deflects other than to fawn, apologize, or defend. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a key. The conversation you think you're having is not the conversation that's being had. The conversation, as soon as your high conflict spouse is triggered, which you can pretty much figure is all the time, because honestly, their ego is so damaged that their entire conversation is how to avoid anything in their own mind that's going to question their validity, their efficacy, anything about them. So if you don't have a response, if you can't figure out what there is to say, that's what there is to say. Nothing. You don't say anything and you immediately begin to think, I just went to a well that has no water in it, and I'm thirsty. And if I want my concern to be met, I need to figure out another way to have it met. 
And and what's interesting is I think that a lot of the listeners right now are thinking, well, if I don't say anything, he or she is just going to start, they're going to double down. They're going to yell at me. They're going to criticize me. They're going to belittle me. They're going to berate me. See what you always do. You always shut down. You always walk away. You always, you always, you always, it's you, it's you, it's you. And that, and so it's an interesting thing because if if this is resonating with you, I want you to just stop and think about how often you deal with that. The 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 belittling, the criticizing, the the diminishing, and yet there's such a fear that they're gonna do it. And this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but consider what you're afraid of in in following Lisa's guidance and just stopping the conversation there. Once you realize there's a deflection, it's not going anywhere. Okay. This conversation's over. I'm leaving, whatever. What is the fear behind doing that? Because that's the work that we want you to do. Oftentimes my clients say, well, the fear is they're going to yell and scream at me. Have they done that before? Yeah. All the time. Did you survive it? Yes, I did. What happens if they do it again? I guess not much. Like getting to the point where you actually see that, my fear story is something that I actually don't have to fear anymore. It's just because it stinks, but it's become such a normal part of my life. Why do I have to be that afraid of it? Yeah, sad, but true. And when I say silence, it, it doesn't need to be full silence. It can be, uh, I hear you. That's mm-hmm. it. Just, I hear you. And, you know, perhaps look at your watch and say, oh, I've, I, there's something I've got to take care of. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. And again, well, Kara, again, they have a fragile ego. So if you can walk away with them feeling heard and, and them realizing that, you know, you're, you're not ignoring them, that will help a little bit maybe in toning down their ego response to you. Divorce is hard, but a high-conflict divorce, it's overwhelming. It involves battling not just emotional tolls, but endless court dates, hidden finances, and toxic personalities. This is your call to action. Don't miss the ultimate high-conflict divorce summit from November 13 to 17, 2023. Our summit brings together an unparalleled lineup of experts, featuring leading psychologists who demystify high-conflict personalities top financial advisors revealing strategies to uncover hidden assets, esteemed legal minds to guide you toward a favorable settlement, and renowned child experts who will arm you with the tools and tactics needed to fight effectively for custody. Act now and register for free to unlock an exclusive bounty of gifts from all 20 experts, yours just for signing up. Take back control. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash summit 2023. Register now and reclaim your future. So what? 
one of the things that I'll often suggest as a practice is um, this context and content, right? And so the, the content is whatever the topic is that you wanted to talk about. The context is the dynamic of what's happening. And so if you can stop long enough to go, oh, so I noticed I, I put you know, the, the topic of little Billy and this weekend on the table and, and you, you came back with a different concern that you have. Um, why don't we address my concern first and, and then we can move to yours. And, and simply by doing that, you're breaking your tendency to defend and you're starting to not judge what's happening, but just speak what's happening. If you judge it, they're going to get on the defensive and it's kind of like throwing um, gasoline on a fire. But if you just if you just call it out, it's almost more for you than for the conversation. It's for you to start stating what's happening. Um, uh, I hear you're really upset about something. This is probably not a good time to talk about my concern. Why don't we table this for later? So it's it's not that you expect, because at a certain point, I think that each of us in these relationships realize there is no getting my point on the table and discussed and me being seen, heard and, and received like that's rarely happening. So how do you, today is about how do you change that dynamic? How do you change your part in it? Their part won't change. And so how do you begin to pivot away from defending or apologizing? There are um, a number of recommendations in how to to interact with someone who's deflecting. Um, they're, again, they're different for working with a partner that has a healthy ego and working with a partner that has a very damaged, unhealthy ego. But I'd like to run, few, uh, run through a few and look at the difference of how they work in the different situations. You know, one recommendation is to create a safe space for conversations. You know, a space where it'll be quiet, where they're, uh, you know, the person isn't tired on their way home from work or just going to work where they have the time. And that's relatively calm. Now, for a healthy ego that works. For someone with a high conflict personality, the safe space you need to create, you can't create a safe space for them. They almost never feel safe internally, even though externally they're like chameleons. They can be the most charming, look like they're the most together person in the world outside of the house or with occasional relationships. But if you're involved with somebody with a high conflict personality, the place you have to create the safe space is when within yourself. And, and what does that mean? It might mean that remembering that what you hear coming out of their mouth is their disease. Uh, there's a saying, Karen, you say it many times, what people say to you is about them and what you hear is about yourself. And you can realize that 
when they start spewing their toxicity, it it isn't about you. I mean, you might have, we all have places that uh, we don't excel in and we can work on if we choose to, but there is never a reason to attack ourselves, to demean ourselves, to hate ourselves. Um, it, so that safe space is really remembering when you go to say something to your spouse that what comes out of their his or her mouth is about him or her and then figure out what's the best way in this safe space within myself to have my own needs met or to have the communication that to, to tell this person the information I need to tell them, even if it's Sally has a recital on Thursday night at such and such time. And, and I do think that the, the advice of, um, of time, like scheduling or giving a heads up, or there's something I'd like to talk to you about. Can we chat after dinner tonight or Saturday morning? That's valuable regardless, because it does create uh, an expectation. You know, let's talk for 15 minutes. These are some guidelines that a psychologist had had shared with me once on, on a podcast that um, if you have something important to talk about, definitely schedule a time, even set. I had a, a a spouse that would talk for an hour or two. And so setting like a 15 minute, let's, let's agree to talk for 15 minutes. That way you've got a container. So those are still healthy things to do. And because you ultimately want to be in healthy relationships, anything we talk about here, that is the healthy approach. Um, take what you can and begin to implement it. The other thing that I want to say, Lisa, about what you're saying is when when you're constantly attacked, um, there's a saying, don't be so open-minded that your brains fall out. There's <laughs> there's such a sense, and, and I've got a number of clients who fall into this category where they're very um, self-reflective. And it's like, well, maybe what she's saying is true and actually part of what she's saying and what they're looking for. And this is the danger is, is they start acknowledging all of their imperfections. And it's like, yeah, none of us are perfect. Yes, part of what your spouse, your high conflict spouse is complaining about is probably true. You know, whether you're a little bit scattered or you spend too much or you're late to whatever it is, it's probably true. It's the context of how that is communicated to you and how that is part of a dynamic that's not about lifting you up, encouraging you and helping helping you to be your best self, but rather diminishing and criticizing and putting you down. And so when you're so open-minded that you're looking for the truth in all of this toxic um, nastiness coming at you, that's not healthy. There's nothing healthy in that. Um, and, and that's where stepping away, um, acknowledging where you have to grow without um, being fodder for this other person's uh, fury is is where we want to get you. Yeah. And defending yourself will never get you there. B 
because they will just use whatever you say for your self-defense as grounds for further attack. Remember, you're not in the conversation you think you're in. When you're dealing with someone with a significant high-conflict personality, you are always in a conversation where they are defending their ego and needing to feel better than you, smarter than you, more competent than you, more important than you. That's the whole basis for their interaction. It's not about what you think it is. And whether you're in the very beginning stages and you're you're tuning in and wondering, you know, can I mend? Do I have to end? This is a really important dynamic to keep an eye on because with the audience of people we're working with, um, there is no reconciliation. There is no collaboration. There is no hearing, seeing, um, transparency, communication. And so we want you looking for those things. And if you're not in the early stages, if you're in the middle of negotiations or heading toward post-divorce co-parenting, and you're still expecting these conversations to go differently, this is where you um, would be well served to take a step back and look at the dynamic of your communication and why do you expect it to be different um, if it's always been this way? And what can you do? That's what this podcast is about. What can you do to begin begin to change your part of that dynamic? And so if you always apologized or defended, then what would that feel like to stop, to never defend yourself again or apologize again, but to um, close down that conversation, like Lisa said, or as I'm saying, kind of call it what it is. I see what's going on here. Let's try later, whether or not you'll try later and and exit those conversations without the apology and the defense. And, and the impact that that's going to have on you is going to be significant in a positive way. Yeah. And for many of you who are in high conflict relationships, they're so painful. And there's a good chance that you haven't been exposed to low conflict relationships in your past. Um, Most of my clients came from high conflict households. So for them, what they're experiencing isn't abnormal it isn't unusual it's it's sort of the norm and they don't know what a healthy relationship feels or looks like so i I, i'd like to give you uh, some simple examples of a healthier relationship high conflict relationship healthy relationship sam I have a conflict in my schedule. Uh, Josie's parent-teacher conference is on Thursday next week. I know you're busy, but could you possibly handle it? So one of us is there. And the response is, oh gosh, I am really busy that night, but let me see what I can do with my calendar. Is there anything you can do with your calendar if I can't? Okay, that that's... Healthy, unhealthy relationship, high conflict relationship, same request. Uh, 
the response you get is, I thought our children were, were important to you. And here you're telling me that you you are so busy that you can't show up at the one parent-teacher conference they have in the beginning of the year. What kind of a parent are you? And then you're asking me with all the responsibility I have on my shoulders to add another thing in the evening. I wake up at five in the morning. I I can't believe you're you're abusing me this way. What is wrong with you? Okay, that's your high conflict. So it's the same communication. It was a sweet communication. It was an authentic and honest communication from you just asking for help. In one case, you're heard, you're seen, and you're collaborating. In the other case, you are attacked, you are demeaned, and there's no, there's nothing positive that happened. And now you're licking your own ego and trying to figure out what you did wrong. And you still don't know who's going to go to that parent-teacher conference. So that's in using an I statement. I need help. It works with low conflict, healthy relationship. Mm, You can try it. Not so successful with the high conflict relationship. Okay, here's another one. Um, You're going to the refrigerator. You usually put the eggs in the same place. They're not there. You're spending, I don't know, three minutes looking through your refrigerator. Where's where are the eggs? Your your spouse walks in and you say, I always put the eggs in the same place. Would you please put the eggs where they belong? Okay, in a healthy relationship, your spouse might go, whoa, you seem really upset. Um, I'm not sure where the eggs are. Let me help you look. And point out again, I think this is where you usually keep them and I try to keep them in there and I'll be even more aware of it. But honey, what's going on? Okay. Healthy relationship, unhealthy relationship. I don't believe that I just walked into the kitchen and you're attacking me. And I don't know what's wrong with you. You must have put them in someplace else. Oh, as a matter of fact, here they are on the counter. You already took them out. You didn't even remember it. What are you going, senile? What is wrong with you? Okay, same conversation, two completely different responses. And then if you did, and I have done this personally, so... If you have taken the eggs out and maybe the kids came running in or maybe you got a phone call or who knows, maybe when you took the eggs out, something, the the ketchup fell out of the refrigerator and splattered all over the floor. And you just spent the last 10 minutes like cleaning ketchup off your counters and your floor and your cabinets and your feet and your shoes. And you just forgot. Well, in one case, there's compassion. In the other case, it's about their ego and they don't even hear you or see you. They are just finding another way to build up their own ego over somebody else's like cadaver. And defending yourself 
isn't going to help in hoping they change, they're not going to change. The majority of people, the vast majority of people who exhibit high conflict personalities, they're not going to go to therapy. They're not going to look at self-help books. And if they do, it's only to use it as part of their defense when you are when they decide to go to therapy with you or to counseling. Because very often then what they'll do is within that context, they'll try to make you look like the crazy one, like the unreasonable one. So when Karen talks about don't defend, don't apologize, don't engage, it's really to keep that safe space you create for yourself within yourself to avoid the attacks and the aggressions because they're they're not going to stop. And that's when it's so important to realize that this relationship, it's not going to get better. You, you need to find a way to extract yourself from it so you can get better. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I think um, the the your examples were perfect. And I think the other thing that happens is um, is if your spouse is uh, really traumatized or or even comes to you um, uh, really hurt and broken, there could be such a a sense of empathy and compassion that even though they're behaving so badly, you feel bad for them. And, and this has happened many times too, where the level of codependence of caretaking the other person over caretaking yourself. So Lisa's talking about create safety for yourself. And so often I've seen clients where even though they're unsafe and they're hurt, they have such a heart for the pain or the struggle that their spouse is going through that their own pain, that they diminish their own pain, that they don't, don't see or protect themselves. And so one of two things happens. Either you have a high conflict personality that's that. Well, actually, there's I'm going to say three key things that I've seen happen. One is an explosion, but that explosion can either be anger and hostility and meanness, or it could be this overwhelming sadness and hurt and pain. And don't you see and can't you help? And I need you and you're not there for me. And so your heart goes out to them much easier than if you're being treated in a nasty way, or they implode is the third way. Um, and so so I just want to say that in each of these dynamics, if you find yourself like really um, thinking about how to soothe and care and support for the other person, and that's been your dynamic in this, that too is a huge red flag. They need support. They are hurting, but they're probably expecting you to be the fix, which of course you can't be. And they're hurting you mm -hmm. and you're not even paying attention to your pain because their pain seems worse. And this is like that codependent twisting that happens. And so if that's you, again, the thing that you can do is you can take a step away, slow things down and look at your part. Like, gosh, I'm so empathetic toward him or her. I'm not even taking into consideration the hurt and pain that it's causing me. And so 
you're off the list, which is a separate topic on codependence, but this is where it shows up. And so if you're in the defect, defend, defend, apologize, and that's your dynamic, um, you can't, it's so important to know that you can't fix that for them. You can't mend that for them. That is their inside job that they need professional support with. And the best thing that you could do for the whole family is to take care of yourself, to protect yourself mm -hmm. and to see where else this dynamic is. Because if you have children and as they get older, that dynamic is going to show up in other relationships in the household as well. And if you have children and you continue the dynamic that you're caught in, you are basically training your children to repeat that dynamic in their own intimate relationships when they get to be adults. So a lot of people, a lot of our clients, I mean, they suffer greatly in thinking of, um, I'm going to say transforming the, the familial relationships and breaking them into mom's house and dad's house. Um, we often think of it as destroying a family. No, it's not destroying a family. It's transforming the dynamics of a family. Because if you make that split, then the children will have mom's world and dad's world. And the children will have a choice for whatever, or mom and mom's world or dad and dad's world. Um, the children will have a choice of, of two different models. If one of the parents, and if you choose to be the healthier parent, and you look at what Karen called your codependent behavior and you begin to work through it and on it, your kids will have a healthy model, a model that you never had most yeah. likely, and how to be a different kind of adult and how to interact differently in relationships. And I have I have a number of clients who've dealt with parental alienation, thinking that if I split, because the, the parent, the unhealthy parent does the same thing to the kids, most likely as they do to the wife. And if not, when they're really little, as soon as they get a little older, um, the children will have a, a real clear choice of what kind of of world they feel more comfortable in instead of just knowing the dysfunctional, unhealthy one. So instead of ruining your children's lives, you're really giving them an opportunity for a healthier, happier present, as well as the future, as confusing as divorce can be for children initially. Yeah. And I, and I would even go so far as to say it's it's um it's an opportunity to break generational chains when when you look at your history and what happened in your marriage is what happened in your parents marriage and your grandparents marriage and so there are these dynamics that we pass down generation to generation and um the beauty of having one household where children are learning uh, healthy communication skills and you're able to point out when things are being communicated in a way that's not healthy, um, then they have choice. And I 
firmly believe that every human being um, really yearns to be loved. And when you have a healthy household with healthy love, um, they will they will navigate in your direction. And so I I, I want to did you want to jump in and say one more thing? Oh, I one other thing. Yeah. Up. One other thing, Kara. For many of you who are listening, you're recognizing that your behavior has been less than stellar that you have also engaged in deflection and blaming and shaming. Um, and I want you to, if you can recognize that, and if you can feel the, I guess almost the, the nausea and the repulsion that comes in, in recognizing, oh my God, I've been, I've been guilty of those behaviors too. I'm going to say congratulations. It means you're healthy. And you didn't know any better. You were just repeating patterns that you've seen your whole life. And if it feels like I don't know what else to do, like Karen said when we began talking, there are ways to learn, just like we began talking about it today, other ways you can react, respond, and begin to educate yourself. You're fine. You're not, you're not a bad person. You've just had less than stellar models. And you can become a healthy model yourself. And it's a becoming. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you have that intention, you can do it. Absolutely. And and I think the other thing is um, you're not perfect. Uh, some of the flaws that your spouse is pointing out are flaws of yours. We're all flawed. And so in these high conflict um, situations, there's a sense that, oh, my God, that's right. And that's right. And I do do that. And I do occasionally do that as if that somehow makes what they're doing um, okay. And, and it doesn't. And Lisa did such a beautiful job of, of portraying the healthy relationship. And so in healthy relationships, we talk about, um, our flaws, the shortcomings of our spouse, and we do it in a container of love and respect and safety. And, and, and so that exists in every single relationship. Every human being has their flaws. And so don't get caught up in he or she is right because they're calling out your flaws. Um, the flaws are good. Receive that. But the behavior is not. And that's not something that um, that uh, benefits anyone to continue. And so as we wrap this up, I want to say there's just a couple of quick statements. I think Lisa said, I hear you. Um, um, so if your spouse is saying something to you and you just, you just need a, find a neutral statement to stay, to say, and then step away. And so I hear you. Um, we have different perspectives on that. Let's agree to disagree. Let's revisit this later. Um, I'm sorry you feel that way. There are so many like statements that really don't say anything, but it gives you an opportunity to speak something and then um, exit the, the conversation, which is what the most important thing is you start seeing your dynamic and, and beginning to change it. 
uh, info at journeybeyonddivorce.com is a great place to email if uh, this is a conversation, a topic that's really resonated with you, if you've got questions about it, if you have other topics you would love to hear us talk about here on our JBD Team Talks, which is like coaching from the mic, um, certainly reach out to us, info at journeybeyonddivorce.com. Um, and then we have a high conflict summit coming up in November of 2023. We'll be talking to you about that, as well as some new online programs that are unfolding for the beginning of 2024. So we um, we are grateful for you. We appreciate you. And we're here to serve. So feel free to reach out if there's anything you'd like to hear us chat about. And Elise, Kara, thanks for joining. Kara, I have one other thing I want to throw in. Go and that it. is sometimes in the conversations that you brought up, there's a real need. and. If you recognize that your spouse is not going to meet that need, then begin looking for workarounds because sometimes you can't just walk away and let the conversation go because there's something real and tangible that needs to happen. Look for workarounds. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for being here with us. Until next time, you guys have a great day. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.